If you're a mom who's locked yourself in the bathroom for five minutes of peace, this is your podcast. I'm Jody Schilling, your host. Welcome to the Good Mom Podcast. Here, we will talk about how to stop people pleasing, how to stop doing too much for everyone else, and we'll define what a real good mom really is. I can tell you, as a mom of four, I have been through it all, and I beat myself up for years believing I was not enough. I finally cracked the code on how to be my real self. I learned how to stop apologizing, and it changed everything. You can start now to be the real you, the mom you were always meant to be. Let's do it. This week, we are talking about lessons learned. I'm doing some behind the scenes kind of things this last couple episodes. So I told you lessons learned from my three daughters last week. And this week, I said that I needed a whole episode to tell you the lessons learned from my son. So this is lessons learned from my son. Some of you know from earlier episodes that My son, my firstborn son, Zach, he was not diagnosed early on in his life, but later in life was diagnosed with being on the autism spectrum. And what's so interesting about this is that autism diagnoses were, there were several and there was quite a increase in the number of them actually in the years when Zach was little and would have had those diagnoses. So I was the mom. I was that mom who read all the magazines and did the research and saw where he was struggling in his development. And there were areas where I thought this really looks like it could be autism spectrum. And I would go in and advocate for it, right? With the pediatrician and the school. And I could tell you quite a few detailed stories about that whole process. But, and I also have a, a background in education. So I, I was also familiar with child development and I, you know, felt like there was a mother's instinct very early on. And I just, I want to, for any moms listening, I want you to, if you take away one thing from this episode, I want you to trust your instinct because I always felt that there was a missing piece of the puzzle that we just weren't, couldn't identify with Zach because he was so, in so many ways, he was so easygoing and he didn't have any behavior problems and napped regularly. You know, he had so many like very predictable and really like if you had to characterize it it would be easy, right? He was very easy as a baby and a toddler and he slept through the night very early on. Um, He always took long naps. He always slept regularly. So, and he never, never, ever was a behavior problem at all. He was always compliant and, you know, just sweet. And his disposition was always easygoing and quiet and calm. And so it was just such an interesting thing though, because what we noticed was that he didn't always respond in the typical way that you 
would expect. Again, this wasn't like, it wasn't like he was overreacting. It was more like he was underreacting. It was more like he was having a lower response than you would expect. And he would get, so if we would go to the zoo, for example, he would easily become, it was almost like we could say that he was, you could tell that he was taking in too much information and he would just shut down. And it was, he would be so observant of everything around him. And it was just almost like you could see his, you know, his little brain just like (laughs) getting to capacity with taking in all of this information. And, and then he would just shut down. And so then he would literally like go to sleep. And so when he was a toddler and then even throughout grade school and, and, throughout his whole life, he's always been able to kind of regulate himself by sleeping. So long story short, in terms of what I wanted to share about what he has taught me and all of the lessons I have learned as we've gone through this kind of advocacy through his life of me going to the school saying, you know, can you please evaluate? And one of the things that was frustrating for me is that a lot of times I felt like people were saying, professionals were saying to me, he's such a sweet kid and he's, he's so compliant. And this was the frustrating part for me because I was like, yes, I agree with you, but why is it just that you're focusing on kids who have extreme behaviors? Because as I've shared with you, (laughs) I also have that experience. And so we also in our family had a child who had some extreme behaviors. And what was frustrating with professionals is that they would say, why are you creating a problem where there isn't a problem? Why are you trying to find one? And I was like, I was, I'm not trying to find a problem. I'm trying to say that what I can see is that he's impacted. It's taking him a lot more effort to to mostly socialize. It was mostly language-based and social skills, but you could tell that it took a lot of effort for him to be able to communicate. And also it was a two-way communication that he struggled with. It was the input of a lot of information at once where he would just shut down and you could tell that the, the type of communication he was trying to process was overwhelming But then there was also an expressive challenge in expressing language outwardly and being able to say what he needed to get his needs met. And so we had both, uh, I'm drawing a blank, but the expressive communication as well as like auditory processing was also, you know, something that I wanted to be looked at. But because he was so compliant and he, he did have a lot of early support with occupational therapy and speech therapy and all of the, I think he qualified in all areas very early. So he had a lot of support and he would knock the goals out. So he, it was like textbook success. They would have an IEP goal. They would apply the intervention with that and the specialized instruction, and he would meet the goal every time. And so they kept saying to me, or to us, you know, that by third grade, they were like, he just keeps meeting his goals. He's, he's off the charts with meeting the goals. So they would make the argument that he no longer needed that support. But I was making the argument that the reason he was meeting those goals because he was, because he was getting the support. And my concern was that if we discontinued the support, 
then we would see a drop off because it did require a lot of support to do what typical peers would be able to do required a lot more effort. And there was a, there was a mental fatigue. There was a cog, you could see the cognitive and the emotional and the mental fatigue that he would go through. And it was so hard for me to explain this to people because they would see, you know, we hear the term invisible disability so many times. And this was such a classic case of that because you would see this kid who would be absolutely compliant. He would show the most effort that you would ever want. So as a teacher, it was a dream student to have a student who was attentive, who listened, who was responsible, who tried really hard. You know, nobody wanted to say, you know, this child is not meeting these goals because it was just so difficult to see that he was just working so hard and, and, you know, he was such a great kid and he is a great kid to, well, he's not a kid anymore, (laughs) but he's a great young man. And he still has that same, absolutely that same personality of showing up to work early, willing to stay late, absolutely consistent. His attendance record is impeccable wherever he goes. He has the highest work ethic ever. He's, he also has this amazing skill of being able to get a job. If he wants to change jobs or if he is in a situation where he needs to change jobs, it's not a problem for him to get a job. He's absolutely skilled at it. He goes out, applies for jobs, gets interviews and interviews beautifully and lands jobs every time. It's it's a skill. I digress. So let's go back to what I was originally wanting to tell you was what he, the things that he has taught me that have been, I shared in my last podcast too. Mike, I think our kids, if we observe closely what our kids and really think about what our kids teach us, for me anyway, my kids teach me the things that I am not good at. <laughs> and and that is the case with Zach also because what he has taught me, he I shared a little bit about this, but I think it's partly because of being on the spectrum that this is a tendency. And it's a, but it's a beautiful thing. It's like this is what I love about how unique the human brain is because whatever happens in the brain that makes the unique characteristics of someone who is on the autism spectrum, what happens in their brain is a fascinating thing because they have these unique skills, which this is why I love the term neurodiversity, because I think when you think about a brain and all brains being neurodiverse, that there's so there's parts of the brain that work really, really well. And they're very high functioning. And then there's parts of the brain that don't work as well. And the way that Zach's brain is so in tune to, you know, quote unquote on, it's like his way of thinking about like directions and repeating the procedure that, that has like five different complicated steps to it. He has this really interesting memory and he has this visual memory of things. 
So like if we, before there was GPS, if we were driving somewhere, he had this photographic memory of the route, you know, where he could remember, he would say, no, you need to turn left here. And he, like we could go places and he knew exactly the route. It was so, so interesting. And then the other thing that he, and I am not good at that at all. So that it just helped me to learn, to see how his brain worked, to help me be better with directional things and memory. And it was just fascinating. But another thing that he really taught me was he had a, this was a adaptive skill that he developed and it was to be very observant of his surroundings. And then he could blend in and he could learn by just seeing what everyone else was doing. He could do with it what they were doing and blend into a crowd really, really well. And I think that's such an interesting skill to have, to be able to be so observant as to like we would have kids, you know, the kids try all different kinds of activities. This was, I mean, our kids grew up in the 90s. So <laughs> it was like, that was the, that was the thing, you know, read Family Fun Magazine and do all the things, right? And so we had them in swimming lessons and soccer and, you know, whatever things during the summer. And and every time we put had him try different activities out, he was always able to find a way to participate by basically mimicking everybody, you know, whatever group he was in. And he loved to play basketball. So that was such a great adaptive skill for him to have because even though like there were areas where lacking motor skills or coordination would sometimes be a factor and he would overcome that by having this really adaptive way of being able to observe what people are doing and copy whatever it was. So, so that was another one. Another one that he taught me was, it's just, it goes back to having a routine and, a, and the repetition and the predictability. And, you know, there were definite times where we would see a pretty strong reaction when there was a change in routine and it was unexpected. That would be really challenging. And I am not a routine person at all. <laughs> so this was challenging for me because I resisted the idea of, of having us be on a schedule all the time. I just was not, even with four kids and kids who had neurodiversity, you would think also being a teacher, you would think that that would be something that I would be in tune to and I would learn the skill of that. And, you know, everyone everyone who has kids with anything and it doesn't have to be for neurodiversity either. It's just everybody does better when there's a routine and there's some predictability. It's just takes some of the pressure off the brain. So that is a stress reducer and it's, and it's just, it's just a good thing to have routine and predictability, but I have never liked it to tell you the truth. And I struggled with it when I was a teacher also because they teach you that when you go through to be a teacher, they say, you know, you need to have your schedule with the kids at school and it needs to be predictable and a routine for them. It's going to make things so much easier. And I just resisted that so much because for me, it was like, 
it's so boring to have a routine. I always want to mix it up. I always want to change it up. It's just more interesting and more fun and more creative. And, and so I've always been, I always like to do that. (laughs) That was not a good match for my kids at all. And a lot of people that scares them, like it makes them uncomfortable. It, It doesn't feel as safe. And so that's a problem when I, I shouldn't say it's a problem, but it's a, there was a mismatch there. So here we have a mom who doesn't like routine and predictability. And then you have kids who really need a routine and predictability, especially someone that's on the spectrum. So anyway, Zach taught me how to be more on a routine and more and have more predictability. So I had to adjust to that and learn how to do that. And that was good. That was good for me. And that was good for the family. And we still have it come up sometimes (laughs) where the family would like to have more predictability and routine. And I am being more random and more creative and that drives them crazy. So I think the last thing I can share about what Zach has taught me and what he has taught our whole family is that he has a perseverance about him that is so admirable. It just, and I, I'll have to share a story about basketball because it's just one of my favorite things about when I think about Zach and how he perseveres and does not give up with something that he sets his mind to. So he always loved playing basketball and he wanted to be, you know, every kid who finds a sport they love or an activity they love, you know, they want to be great at it and they want to be, they set goals for it and all of that. So he had goals early on about playing basketball and he played basketball from, I think the time he probably started in kindergarten and played all through and he plays to this day, but It was his senior year that he played and he at that point was on varsity until his senior year. But um, when he made varsity that year, he played, he did not play, I should say, very much in uh, most of the games. However, he showed up to practice early. He stayed late. And the way that he was committed and the way that he practiced and the way that he didn't ever give up. I mean, it was like he knew that there were games that he wouldn't go in until the last two minutes of the game when they were way ahead, then he would go in. However, on the bench, when all the players came in and out and subbed in and out, he was the first one to give him a high five and you know, he just was, he was always the most supportive on the team and and all of that. And so it was just, it was so great. I mean, we would go to all the games and it was just, you know, you would think that he would be frustrated or, you know, he would lose that commitment to playing hard, practicing hard and, and just showing up every time for every game, every practice. And What was really great is that they had, we were in a very small town and they had a very, any small town sports team, you know, they had the whole town would come to the games. (laughs) There wasn't a lot of other things to do, but there would just, you know, they had a great fan base and lots of school spirit. And they had something at his school called the tip off. It's when they had the dance and then they had court 
celebration, right? So they had the tip-off king and queen, the court, right? And so he was voted, it was so amazing, but he was voted as the tip-off king. And the game that night, so they would announce during halftime, they announced it and and then they, the crowd, all of the kids and the crowd started shouting during the game, during the last quarter of the game, put in the king, put in the king, put in the king. And they were talking about him. And it just gives me goosebumps right now as I say this, because that moment of just hearing the crowd cheering for him, for him to get in and play, and then for him to get the ball and they passed the ball, they did, the coach put him in. He got to play in the last half of the last quarter and they put him in and he, they passed him the ball. He's a three point shooter. And it just, I mean, I'm getting emotional right now thinking about it, but it was so, it was just such a great example of someone who put in and showed up every day, put in the work. And then, you know, it was recognized in a way that was so unexpected, but was so meaningful. And I think that it felt to me like that everybody in the gym who saw him play and wanted him to play and wanted him to succeed, it wasn't about basketball. It wasn't about passing him the ball and letting him get the shot. There was so much more meaning about that. It was more about, we see you, we notice you, we think you're an amazing kid, you're a great person. It was on a, such a different level than playing basketball. And it was it was just an expression of, 100% love and acceptance and just recognition for, you know, for being, just being who a person is, like being able to recognize those strengths and, and see the whole person. And it's really even hard for me to describe what that feeling was, but, um, but it's pretty amazing as a mom. And I think that when we can get to a point when we see kids who have neurodiversity and we can see them as a whole person, that whole child, that whole person who has these really unique qualities to their brain, these really amazing skills that are like genius level. And then they have these, these other characteristics and attributes like perseverance and commitment and consistency. You know, we can learn so much from that. And so that's what I wanted to share today. This is my, you know, lessons learned from my own kids. And I hope that you found it to be helpful. And if you are a mom or any family member, anyone who loves somebody with neurodiversity, I hope that you can see all those strengths and skills too, because they're pretty amazing. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. If you like this podcast, please rate and review so we can spread the word to other moms who are going through the same thing. You can also find me over on Instagram. You'll find links to my website there, information about my coaching program, and free resources. Thank you again for joining me. Have a great week and please rate and review.